What's up, everyone? It's the love, the jam, the podcast coming to you as always with Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, recording on a Monday instead of a, a Saturday or Sunday, so I'm not quite as cheerful as I usually am. Yeah, it's still for a week, but uh, the Clippers are playing well. Uh, Michigan won their first two games in the NCAA tournament, which is cool. So mm-hmm. sports-wise, I'm doing pretty well. UCI went on a 16-0 run to go up by two points against Oregon, and they pretty much felt like they didn't score the rest of the game. They got blown out by 20. But they won their first tournament game in, uh, in school history, so that was kind of cool. Uh, the UCI, U- University of California, Irvine, Anteaters – pretty awesome we used to hear their games on my college radio station they used to broadcast through it so it was kind of cool to be able to hear them and see them actually play pretty well but Oregon is so much better than them my goodness and one of my buddies was asking me are the anteaters the best team in California and like college basketball is so bad it's just oh. it's so, it was just a it was just a jab at the Clippers but uh, <laughs> the Clippers on the other hand Won a game, 124-113 against the New York Knicks in what was not a very good game, uh, but had some good moments. Danilo Gallinari had kind of an interesting Danilo Gallinari type of game where he got to the line a ton, didn't shoot particularly well, but still contributed, hit some big shots, and was pretty, I wouldn't, wouldn't say dominant, but he was really felt the whole game. Um Shea Gilgis-Alexander continued finding players, eight assists, one turnover. Uh, didn't shoot particularly well, didn't continue his hot shooting. Uh, Patrick Beverly was uh, was another solid player on the, Clipper, uh, on the Clipper lineup. But, of course, our bench guys, Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, killed it. Montrez Harrell, I felt, was pretty dominant. Uh, eight for 12, 24 points, only four boards, but really got to the rim whenever he wanted. Lou Williams had some big shots and closed the game pretty much. It wasn't particularly great, honestly. But those two were plus 23 and plus 21, Lou and Trez. And Lou just destroyed the Knicks down the stretch. You, Lou loves these mediocre to crappy teams. Like, he just <laughs> kills them. He just, like, he doesn't care. It kind of reminded me of, like, that Bulls game where he had that triple-double where the team just played like crap. And Lou was just like, let me just end this game. And, and, he, and he did. He just tore apart the Knicks. And the Knicks are... Knicks are bad, man. They're bad. That's a bad basketball team. Yeah. (laughs) They're very bad. It was not a very fun game. This was – No. It was a good week for the Clippers because they won four games. None of them was all that encouraging or all that fun to watch. I think a Pacers win qualifies as a good win. Yeah. You know, but I'm seeing all these people on Twitter about how any road win in the NBA is a good win. It's like, man. I mean, I, I mean, it's true. Come on, Rob. Not everybody can. I mean, the Lakers lost to New York like a like a week ago. I don't ago. think it's a good win though. Like the Knicks are really shitty. Yeah, they're really bad. It's probably. I don't think. Probably, I, don't think, I, don't think, I want to say that is is that the worst team? Is that the worst roster in the league? Probably. Yeah, uh, the Suns are down there. The Cavs with a healthy love are definitely better. Yeah, definitely. Sexton playing better. Like, they're not half bad. I mean, they're still pretty bad, but they're not, like, atrocious. I feel like the Cavs the Cavs would challenge for a, a low – like, an eighth seed if they were mm-hmm. healthy. If they no, well. I don't think so. Have you seen the bottom of the East? They're though, still not Rob? as good. Like, the rest of the roster is really bad. Like, even if you say he's comparable to Blake, and I don't think he is, like, they don't have a Drummond. They don't even have – they don't even have a Reggie Jackson. <laughs> like, yeah, but, Ke- but Kemba Walker's second best player is Jeremy Lamb. But, and they're uh, like they're like in the thick of it still. Jeremy Lamb is much better than anybody else on the Cavs. It's not. Would you <laughs> rather? Would you rather have Jeremy Lamb or Colin Sexton? This season. Yeah. Okay. All Lamb right. is so much better than Sexton. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sexton. I mean, I think Sexton. Sexton is good, though. I, I like. I, I think he's not a good defender, but I think oh, offensively, awful. he's pretty awful bad defender. Uh, yeah. One of the worst in the NBA, which is why this season I take Lamb. But I mean, right. Sexton's been better than I thought. I did not like that draft pick. I didn't think he was a particularly good prospect. I think he was like 18th on my big board or something. Um, you know, I just – he was not a great shooter in college. He has some quickness and explosion, but not, like, elite levels. And his passing playmaking is is pretty rudimentary. So, 
I did not think he was a particularly great pro- prospect. It was more about like intangibles and like him just being in that aggressive Westbrook De'Aaron Fox mold, but he's been pretty solid this year and solid because of his jumper. I thought he played pretty well, at least offensively in that game. But yeah, I mean, the Cavs roster, I mean, uh, Tristan Thompson and Larry Nance are probably their second and third best players. And like, they're both fine, but you know, their three best players are all big men, which is a different issue. That's true. Is their best guard. Like that's not, that's a recipe for winning like 25 games. It's not good. Um, I think I think Jordan Clarkson thinks he's Lou Williams right now, which is which is yeah. great. To be fair, I think he's improved this season, but he, I mean he's still pretty bad. But yeah, I mean I think the healthy Cavs, if Love had been healthy all year, I think they'd be in like a regular bad team instead of you know atrocious like below twenty ones. They'd probably have like you know mid twenties, maybe maybe thirty. He maybe close to thirty. Yeah, but I mean I still wouldn't give him a playoff spot. But yeah, I mean they're not horrible. The Knicks are just. They're a dumpster fire. They're so bad. Yeah, the Knicks. The Knicks are the Wilson Chandler of the league right now. They're so <laughs> they're so awful. Gosh, Wilson yeah. Chandler ironically had his best season with the Knicks, but continues to be a pretty poor Clipper. I don't want to start with Wilson Chandler. I don't want him to be the new Avery Bradley. He is not, but he's just he's he's just messing things up. You know, like and it's not even. It's just the kind of player he is, and he just he's just not fitting. It's unfortunate because. I don't think he would have ever fit with the Clippers. Even prime Wilson Chandler, who is, who is long and has some more foot speed, he's kind of always been a semi-ball stopper, and that's just not great for this team in almost any role. Not to mention the fact that he's a power forward, and Jermichael Green is a better version of what we need. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I mean, that's the real issue. I think the people who are arguing for, oh, you need to give him time, like, he'll be better. Like, yeah, I think he will. I mean, he's shooting just horribly right now. His shooting is going to pick up. But the problem is it's just not a good fit in, like, any way unless he becomes an absolute sniper. And even then, like, what they need out of that fifth player in the bench lineup is, like, some defense, like a little bit of ball handling, just kind of like a do-everything type of guy. And that's exactly what Ty Wallace is. Right, right. <laughs> and the bench lineup of Ty Wallace was pretty good. Oh, <laughs> and man. the one with Wilson Chandler is not. I don't, I don't really blame him. And, like, I mean, he's been awful. But he's going to get better because, you know, his shooting just has to improve. Kind of like Avery Bradley, where he's shot much better with the Grizzlies. And it's made him from, like, an awful player into just, like, a very mediocre one. Like, the same will probably happen to Wilson Chandler. But the Clippers should not wait around for his shot to start falling. They should recognize it's just not what they need in that bench spot. And I, I just... I have zero desire to watch him play. Like, he seems like a cool guy. You know, he's a very well-traveled, respected veteran. Like, I understand they wanted to give him his shot. And I understand he's probably not fully back in shape yet, all those kinds of things. But, like, there are literally eight games left in the regular season. Every game is important. And Mm -hmm. playing him is costing them. Like, they're worse with him on the court substantially. I think, honestly... I am not a Cinderius Thornwall fan. I mean, I I like him as a, as a person. <laughs> Man, are you are you like friends with all these guys? <laughs> like, why? I like his you know, I like his work ethic and I love right. his hustle and energy. But like his offense is just so bad. I think I'd probably rather see Cinderius Thornwall play than Wilson Chandler. Like, I just I just have zero desire to watch him. It's Avery Bradley all over again. Where Bradley for ten to fifteen minutes a game probably would have been fine, but I just didn't want to watch him. That's how I feel about Wilson Chandler. Like I just, it's partially just biased, just because also he's just not very fun or interesting to watch at this point in his career. Yeah, but it's just it's bad. But partially part of the reason why he looks so bad also is because Gallo and to a lesser extent Michael Green have been playing so well and. Really, he's a power forward, and he's by far the third best power forward on the roster. Um, so, yeah, it's it's frustrating. But Doc has been so good this year. I think it's it's tough to really nitpick like that. I just hope that when it reaches the playoff time, he's still not the guy getting minutes. Um, I, I think he will be the guy getting minutes. I think he will be too, and I, it's mm-hmm. gonna be bad. I think, yeah. honestly, it's more likely that Doc just cuts that spot out of the rotation and goes with a nine-man group. I think that's much more likely. That would be nice. I, I hope that's what Doc does because we have the versatility. We have – I mean, we can definitely do that. I, I think that's definitely yeah. like a doable nine thing. nine-man isn't like tiny. It's, you know, no. it's still a decent amount of rest for all your key guys. Just play Beverly, 
Shamit when healthy and uh, Shea a little bit more. You know, right now with Shamit out, I think it's fine to keep him. Though I'd still rather see Ty Wallace. But I guess, yeah, we should go to the Shamit injury since that's kind of the only really important news from this week. Um, he has an ankle impingement. Do you know anything about ankle impingements? It's just a it's just a sprain. It's just a fancy way of saying a sprain. It's almost like a degree of a sprain. What it's just a dumb word, really. <laughs> like who says it? And and just like a sprain, it's just like there are degrees mm-hmm. of ankle injuries you can get. And it tells us nothing. The most promising thing, I think, from an ankle, quote unquote ankle impingement is he's been called questionable for this next game. It makes me feel like it's not as yeah. severe as it could be. So that's the best thing. But honestly, we don't know. Um, it would be nice if the, if the Clippers practice today because that would be a really nice indicator kind of of how, how badly he's feeling right now. But honestly, I get worried about Shamit foot injuries just because of his stress fractures. Not that this is particularly related or anything, but just like anything to do with his feet makes me nervous and it makes yeah. me feel like we need to take it our time. The guy is running probably more than maybe anybody in the league. I don't think that that might be. Beal runs the most, I think, for the Wizards. Oh, that makes sense. Beal's doing everything for that team. But (laughs) Shamit is like, you know, that JJ type of running all the time. How He exhausts me. I almost want to see how many miles he runs in a game. He's just – It's insane. There was some clip I saw on Twitter of him. I forget which game it was. I think it was against the – it might have been against the Bulls, but I'm not sure uh, where – or no, maybe it was against the Cavs. Anyway, where he literally ran around like five screens. I think it was it was like 130 feet or something in the span of seven or eight seconds. Just him zooming in and out and getting bumped by people and pushing off and changing directions. And I was just like, I could not do that if you paid me. Forget no actually making the shot. <laughs> like, I just couldn't do that amount of running. Like, I would Shamit. Shamit is like the is like the player when I go to sleep I pretend I am like <laughs> I used to love to shoot when I was when I was like in my basketball prime which was not very good and I used to pretend like I'd be able to run like that kind of guy I remember the first game he started I think it was a home game uh, Clipper I think the Clipper Twitter showed that very first play where he had a layup at the rim mm-hmm. and just how much he ran it was so exciting even just that Boston game just watching him run across like the court or like from side to side for threes. It was so invigorating because I love watching J.J. Redick so much. Um, and I just love watching players that go off the ball like him and Buddy Heald and players of that ilk. I feel like they're kind of a loss, um, almost like a loss sort of old school vibe to them. So I kind of love watching Shamit. No, so he's pretty- super fun. But yeah, I mean, I think the ankle impingement, I wrote a very, very brief news clip for Clips Nation. I saw Basically that. Say, said the same thing. It's like you Google it and it's like, well, in some cases it's a week to two weeks. Sometimes it's like six weeks. And I immediately thought of Luke. <laughs> right, right. The man with a, us bruised knee who's been out for six months. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I think by far the smartest thing to do is just sit him like a week. Yeah. You know, they're going to make the playoffs. Positioning is important. But at this point, you know, they need him to be healthy for the playoffs. They just need him to be healthy, period. I mean, in 20 games, he cemented himself as, like, kind of a key piece to this franchise's future. The last thing they need is for him to be, like, come back a week early and break his ankle or just do something oh horrible. It's yeah. like, just not necessary. I think at least a week. Like, I don't even care if he's questionable. Like, just sit him. And realistically, not playing him will hurt them. But if you just give Shea, Beverly, and Lou a few more minutes, and like I suppose Temple got some of the rest, like I don't think the drop off would be horrible. I mean, they would definitely miss his shooting in the starting lineup. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think they're gonna like lose every game that they play without him. Like if if they Clippers didn't have Lou Williams, they might have lost. They would have lost the Caps and the Knicks. Yeah. You know, Lou Williams is just a make or break player. Shamit is not quite there yet, but. Yeah. He's good. So I understand why they want him back. Yeah. But I'm just very cautious. He's he's definitely important. In fact, this is almost worth revisiting. Are the starters as good as the bench now with how bad Wilson Chandler is? They're better. Oh, they're, they're better, better, right? That's how it feels. 
that's how it feels, right? So, and and Shamit is a big reason for that. So he's an important player. I would probably say so. There's there's Lou, there's Trez, there's Shea, there's Gallo, and then there's then there's probably Shamit, right? Mm, I'd say Lou. Trez Gallo or T and then Bever and then Beverly maybe. Beverly's probably on his own tier two. Yeah. And I'd say like Shay, Shamit, Zupots. Right, right. I mean he's important. Like the Clippers will miss him, but like, you know, when you look at their schedule, they should be able to beat Cleveland at home without him. I know, man. That, that Cleveland game feels like a trap game, even though one in Cleveland was super concerned. I don't think the home I think at home. I think they should be able to win that. The Memphis game the next day on a back-to-back that's against bad. a team that still has some veteran pieces and is yeah. playing hard because they don't want to convey their pick, or they do want to convey their pick. I can't remember which. That is definitely a trap game. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland, I, I don't even know. The, um, Grizzlies, the Grizzlies just beat the Thunder today too, right, I believe? Yeah, fairly handily too. Like yeah. They won by like 11 or 12. I don't think it's that close. Um, so – yeah, I mean, what do you think? I think they should just start Temple. I think that's probably what they are going to do. I'm writing, yeah, yeah. I'm writing something about this tomorrow. I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion, but there are other options. I mean, starting Wilson Chandler is an option. No, oh my <laughs> starting, gosh. You know, I think it's un- very unlikely, but Ty Wallace and Cinderius Thornwell is possible if they don't want to upset the bench unit. And the unlikeliest of all candidates, Jerome Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> Who fans are still clamoring for getting the start, and uh, I'm going to write about it. I'm just going to be like, no, it's not happening. My gosh, uh, I, I yeah, really yeah. want him to get minutes, but it's just it's not going to happen. It's I would, not the, it, he's not he's not ready. Like, there's no there's no reason to play him right now. I'm sorry, all you J Rob fans. I love Jerome. I don't love him, but I like Jerome Robinson a lot. I think he can be a player on the scene but he has he doesn't have the confidence to make he doesn't make right plays yet and that's fine he's a rookie he's been playing the g yeah. league he needs the ball i feel like he needs the ball in his hands to really be effective and we have lou williams off the bench and he's the best six man of all time so yeah. he's, he's not going to get that role on this team it's fine you know maybe he can ease into it a little bit next year and then kind of embrace it the the year after but we'll, we'll see he's He's not ready, and there's no reason to play him right now, so stop thinking about that. He's not – no, you can't just run uh, Shamit sets for Jerome Robinson. He's not Shamit. Like, Shamit's a beast off, like, off the ball, yeah. and Jerome isn't that. Shamit is already, like, a top-ten shooter, three-point shooter in the NBA, probably. Yeah, probably. I mean, obviously, like, he's not Steph or Clay or, or Dan yeah. or – yeah, because he can't really take them off the dribble yet. He's taken a few. But in terms of just like a running off screens, just guy who, when he's open from three, they're like, that shot is going down. Every time right. he shoots from three and he's even remotely open and set, I think he's making it. I mean, who's better? There's Steph, there's Clay, there's probably Buddy, there's... Dame. Dame, If you yeah. count off the dribble stuff, I think like Dame, Kyrie, Kemba, those guys... And, oh. and Ky- Kyrie isn't a necessarily off the ball runner. He's he's no, no, no. in terms of if you're just looking at off the ball runner types. I mean, after you know Steph, Clay, Buddy, probably still JJ and Werber. Right, yeah, he's probably right after those guys. It's I mean, crazy. Yeah, he's insanely good at shooting. Yeah, he's super <laughs> I good. I can't believe he fell that far. Like. I do some draft stuff, not a lot, but some. And, like, I liked him. I thought he would probably be a little higher, but I just had no idea he was this good a shooter from NBA range. I had I had no idea who Landry Shamit was. I didn't yeah. even know. I had He was completely off my radar. And I watched I, – I heard the J.J. Reddick comparisons from a distance, and I saw him play a little bit in Philly. And I was like, oh, I could see it. But you are you just don't watch a player the same when they're not on your team, you know? Yeah. So now I appreciate it so much. I have such clipper bias, it's insane. But No, he, I mean, he's really, really good. He's he's um, really good. Yeah. And he, he's a, of course an awful defender, but maybe he can get you know, better, you know. I actually think he's been not as bad recently. He's still pretty bad, but like there were a few games there where he was atrocious and teams were just attacking him. I haven't seen as much of that lately, though. It could just be because they're playing bad teams who don't have like right players. That's kind. Of, that's kind of how I feel. You can hide him on these guys who don't really know how to get to the rim, 
if uh, he's playing them. Like he got kind of torched in the in the indie game. I felt a little bit. They posted him up a bit. Yeah, that's and, fair. So yeah. against better teams that don't have awful offensive players, I do think you know. I mentioned this last pod, but you can put him on a player that's similar to him, and I feel like he knows reads and he can get the spots. He moves well, like just chasing a guy and. Mm-hmm. He's not a lack of effort guy whatsoever, but he's just he just needs to spend some more time with team defense and realize and Doc needs to know the best ways to hide him because if he's going against a player that's bigger than him and with his three man, this three guard rotation, oftentimes, you know, teams can kind of get switches and post him up or just barrel through him because he's still yeah. pretty slight. But he has matchups where he can be decent. So that's the better than you could say maybe about J.J. Redick at this point of his career. When oh, he was yeah, J.J.'s, up. he's slipping on defense. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, but, yeah, I mean, I think I think Temple is the easy choice to start. I'd be pretty surprised if Doc did anything else. Yeah. I don't really want him to do anything else. I'd be kind of intrigued by Ty starting just because I'm, like, a Ty Wallace stan. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I will follow, like, the Ty Wallace. I will be the last person on Ty Wallace Island. <laughs> I've, I've settled down like i've put in roots like i'm doing like reconstruction work i'm, I'm there for the long haul uh, i think i think every clipper fan loves ty wallace and he's just clearly good so. uh, i wouldn't say every but most, most yeah yeah i mean he's just good i don't know like it's it's tough for me to argue with people who are like oh like he can't shoot he can't really score i'm like but yeah like if you look at like his defense his ball handling the way he pushes the damn ball in transition is incredible mm-hmm. Um, though Shea has gotten pretty good at it the past few weeks. Shea has gotten so much more confident getting to the rim these last couple of weeks of games. He looks so good. It's incredible. He's so good. He's going to uh, be so good. I'm so yeah, excited. It's like, the game against the Knicks, his shot wasn't falling. Like, he got blocked a couple of times. His three was off. And it didn't matter. He had eight assists, like one turnover. His defense, I thought, was really good. Um, you know, he played 38 minutes. And a lot of that's because Shane was injured. But, like, he earned those 38 minutes he's been really good um like I'm at the point where I I originally thought it was like oh he could eventually be all defense now I'm like he could be all defense in like a year or two if he, once he bulks up a little and gets like a little bit better reading scouting reports and like learning how guys play I mean his arms are just so long it's insane he's he such thoughts that should not be contested He's so good. He he plays such great modern defense. He pushes you to uncomfortable spots. He's almost always in front of you, even if sometimes he gets pushed to the rim because he's slight, like you mentioned. He's mm-hmm. you're right. His lo- his arms never end, and he's gotten better at not fouling. He's just such a heady defender. Yeah, it's it's pretty so incredible good. how good he is defensively. I would have yeah. to look back and see how good like rookie point guards have been on defense especially ones who were freshmen, like one and done. Like I could imagine like a four-year guy coming in um, and being like a pretty solid defender, but I cannot think of the last rookie freshman, you know, one and done point guard who's this good defensively. Uh, And the best thing is he can play multiple positions. Like he's already guarded much bigger players this season and he's only get better at that as he bulks up a little and and gets some muscle. So I don't really have too much more to say about Shea because, you know, we, I think both of us could just talk about him for like an and hour. And by the way, by the way, Shea's a point guard. I've read some Clipper posts and Clipper Twitter and Clipper blah, 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 saying what position does he play? Yeah, he, he can play multiple positions and he can play shooting guard and everything, but he's a point guard. Like his best position is point. What do you – do you yeah, have any, I don't think do it's any close. doubt about that? I don't – He's best yeah. with the ball in his hands. You know, if he was better at shooting – like he's already making steps. If he was like a legitimately good shooter on decent percentages and had a quicker release, I would be, you know, a little more likely to put him in the category of like secondary playmaker or a guy who could play off ball. Like he can, but right now, I mean, he's clearly an on ball player. I mean, he's a good passer. He's already good at reading the pick and roll. Some of these cross court passes he makes because of his height, such good, yeah. really so, impressive. Like yeah. he's never going to be an amazing, brilliant passer. I don't think, but he makes passes that like a starting caliber point guard in the NBA can make. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be a point guard. Like the only thing is, you know, if they go after another guy this summer, like a Campbell Walker, if anything, Campbell would be the guy playing more off ball next year, not Shea. 
And Kemba uh, can play off ball. He just yeah, I mean, he's better that's... on ball because he's mm-hmm. like a magician, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> Handles and shooting and stuff, but like he can play off ball because he's a good shooter. The problem is the Hornets have literally no other guys who can right. Balls. Yeah, uh, Ken, no. Ken, Kemba Walker is probably a pretty underrated off ball shooter type that. He just never gets the opportunity because, yeah, his team yeah. is hot garbage. So Yeah. So, like, no, Shea is a point guard, definitely. I mean, I think in his prime, if he's a better shooter, I think he could definitely play a little more off-ball on offense as well as, like, you know, multi-positional defender. But right now he's clearly a point guard. I think that's the position, position he'll be best at because it gives him such a height advantage. Whenever he's yeah. up on point guards on offense, he just shoots right over them. Mm-hmm. Um you know, his ability to get to the rim is great, but, like, he's one of the few guys in the NBA where, like, I'm pretty fine with him taking short to mid-range jump shots because it's such an easy look for him most of the time. He can get off whenever he wants. Yeah. Against defenders. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't think anybody's really done this yet, but sooner or later when teams are going to start putting their bigger defenders on him and, you know, then he'll try to have to start utilizing his speed more and catching them off pick and rolls and stuff. But anyway... Uh, we can talk about Shea for like <laughs> right, right, right. Shea rabbit hole. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think without Shamit, Garrett Temple will start. Do you think Doc will replace Temple on the second unit? Will he go to a nine-man rotation? I hope he just brings Ty Wallace back because no, I like, hope so. I hope so too. I kind of think he will. I uh, I don't know if he'll bring Ty back, but who else is he going to bring back? There's like, is he going to play Sin more? He might, but Sid is be, zero on offense. Like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I like – I know I do like that he plays Sin for those little stretches when yeah, he, yeah. he defensive stop. Sometimes it backfires because he's, like, ice cold and he's coming off the bench after having sat for, like, 45 minutes, which yeah, like know, that I don't blame him at all. You think he came back at the end of the first half of that Nick game and got torched, right? Yeah, like, I don't yeah. blame him. It's a really tough spot it's to tough. put in. Yeah. But I like that Doc has been doing it. It's like when you put Boban into guard inbounds, you know, these are like the kind of things you should be tinkering with and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I don't, his offense is just so bad to play in the regular rotation, especially if you put him like alongside Chandler and Jamichael Green. I mean, that's just negative ball handling and playmaking from yeah. two through four. That puts everything on Lou Williams. So I think it should be tie. I hope it's tie. If not, then just put a nine man rotation just play Shea or, or Beverly off the bench. But another, uh, another thing that's frustrating about this whole Whistle and Chandler thing is taking Ty out and making George Hill a uh, George Hill and making um, Temple, Temple. <laughs> George, I don't know why I thought George Hill, <laughs> but making Garrett Temple play more point guard. And it's, not it's just not, not a good spot. So no. it's just he can't, like, theoretically he can handle the ball a little bit. Yeah. But he should not be initiating the offense. Yeah. Temple, by the way, has his defense has been great. Like he can't hit a shot, but I think like people are comparing to Mayfrey Bradley, but I think no, no, he's still playing no, he's the level of defense that people thought Bradley was playing. Like, yeah. His defense has been really good. And he's so much better at switching because he's bigger and longer. And I think actually a little quicker too. Um so yeah, he's been good. I mean it would be nice if he could do more offensively and hit threes, but I think he's been kind of sneaky good in transition. He's had some nice takes there. Yeah, he has. And his defense is just good. He makes the right play most of the time. I think I think they can't really ask for that much more of him outside of, you know, some of more of the threes dropping. Um, yeah, I, I like Jared Temple a lot, but he's, he's being put in a bad position with that second unit because of the yeah. Wilson Chandler effect, so... Uh, all, all of it would be fixed by playing Ty Wallace. Like he has limitations. Like he, he literally can't shoot. It's <laughs> true. But he's good. He's just, I think he's just better than Wilson Chandler and a much better fit. I don't know. We could talk about this too much probably, but um, do you have anything else to say about like the, the Clippers roster rotation or anything? I mean, Lou Williams is just unbelievably good. I don't like he's there's, awesome. a, there's still like, I still see posts every once in a while. Like what about this guy for six minutes? Like, no, the argument is over. It's Lou Williams. What about Derrick Rose, though? Oh, my God. So, <laughs> did you see this guy yesterday? Some, like, Miami Heat, like, some Miami – I don't know if it was even a Heat beat writer, but some, like, Miami sports person was like, we need to talk about Dwayne Wade as a six-minute-a-year candidate. And I was like, please, no. And yeah. Wade 
quote tweeted Wade, and was Wade, like, yeah Wade, Wade said it's Lou, Lou Will's award and then somebody immediately afterwards that said what about Derek Rose there were like five what about Derek Rose replies to that unbelievable like uh, so annoying <laughs> he's, a, he's an annoying fan uh, Wade is a better six man than Derrick Rose. I know he's not scoring as much, but he's doing a ton of intangibles. Derrick Rose is also a shitty person. Like I will remind you again every time this comes. He is. I mean, I think. Like I completely, I could not agree more on Derrick Rose and his fan base. The thing is, like, I think he is really well liked as a teammate. Um, No, there are plenty of shitty guys who are are great teammates. I think he's kind of one of them because, like, I've never outside of that one Nick season where he was just, you know. Yeah, all over the place. I think most of the time people have liked him as a teammate. I think the Wolves, from what I've heard, seem to like him. So, you know, but yeah, I mean, he and Wade are not candidates. If you have to even mention somebody, it's Trez and DeMonta Sabonis and maybe Dinwiddie. Yeah, Sabonis Sabon- should have, Sabonis should get more hype. He's been playing very well. The three well. of them, like, at least deserve mention. It's like, you know, these guys are all really good bench players. And Rose is going to miss, like, almost half the season. He's already been shut down. He'll play like 50 games this year. It's, uh, Lou Williams is incredible. Like he didn't even play that well against the Knicks and he finished with 29 and seven and a plus 23. Beast. I don't know like how that's possible. He missed two free throws. He scored 15 points in the fourth quarter. Like you said, like he just, whenever it's time to win, he's just like, I'm going to start scoring. And he starts scoring. It's incredible. He's uh, so good. He had some really, he had some really cold blooded shots that game too. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's weird that like his three and his shots in the paint don't fall at the same time. Like he's mostly been cold from three the past couple weeks, but he's hitting all these crazy shots in the paint. And I guess the Knicks, he was just getting swatted by Mitchell Robinson, who was hit five of seven threes, and like all of them were super well contested. Just didn't matter. It's it's he's insane. DeAndre, DeAndre had a really nice uh, end of the first half. He had a nice end of the first half, but. When they made that run under Mitchell Robinson and he came back, I thought he kind of he kind of messed with their chemistry a little bit. They they came back under Robinson's. Uh, Robinson had some nice blocks, some nice defense, and DeAndre obviously was hot the whole game. But I almost feel like they should have maybe just let Mitchell Robinson in. Oh, absolutely. Play. I mean, yeah, he is still a better offensive player. I think he's a better passer. Yeah. Probably still, you know, better at catching and finishing around the rim. But Robinson is already a better defender. I mean, DJ has like. Yeah really badly on that end and Robinson is a beast <laughs> he is a beast he's terrifying he's a, like he's I would not want to venture anywhere into the paint if, if he's on the court like just I mean I wouldn't anyway because I'm tiny and can't finish even against like Harvey. oh yeah I'm shooting threes yeah. <laughs> but like if I was on the same court as Mitchell Robinson I would only be chucking like 30 foot threes um, yeah he's very scary but yeah the Knicks are horrible he's like the only bright spot on that team we randomly got like the hottest shooting game of Emmanuel Moutier's career. Right. Uh, <laughs> insane. Um, but yeah, it's grim. Like Hazonia is awful. Knox hit a couple of shots, but like he's not had a good rookie season until Aquina's like been injured and out of the rotation. And like nobody else on their team is even young. Like they're bad. I don't like if KD and Kyrie go there, like all props to them, but that is not a good basketball situation. That's a yeah. really, really, really bad roster. Yeah. But yeah, so that that's the next game. I don't really have too much to say. Shea, of course, we said played well. Zubat had a double, double, ten and ten. Didn't particularly play great, but he uh, he good. contributed. Just good. Uh, Shamit was Shamit. Gallo um, had another sneak. He was very aggressive all game, which was great. Got to the line a ton. Um, played pretty well. Um, don't really have too much to say about the Nick game. I mean, I guess, I guess the Cavs game was just kind of a bad game. <laughs> Gallo was on fire, but I, I didn't really think he was great. Um, I thought Shea was was pretty good all game. Uh, I, I don't really have too much to say about that yeah. game, to be honest. I don't have of, much to say about any of these other games. Yeah, you know, the Brooklyn and Pacers win were both, you know, those are both solid teams and they tried really hard. So yeah. I was happy they won both of those, but neither of them were particularly good games. They probably should have won by more than they did against both of them. I mean, Brooklyn almost took it though. D'Angelo Russell is just hitting insane shots right now. D'Angelo which, Russell's a, uh, he, I know I kind of mentioned D'Angelo Russell last week in comparison to Kyrie. 
And I don't think he's better than Kyrie, but he's got he he is, has some serious like Nick Van Exel vibes about him. And Van Exel in his prime was really really good. No, Russell's good. I think yeah, he's really good. I'm still very hesitant about long term upside because he's just doesn't get to the free throw line and That's like right now when you just watch him play like against the Clippers he's hitting all these super contested shots like the skill right. on display is incredible right but like this could just be a prolonged hot streak like we've seen this before it's true. you know he was taking these exact same shots for the first three and a half years of his career and they were not dropping right now he, they are. he was so, making he was making some nice passes in that game oh, I feel he's like a very good passer he's a very good passer he was a better just, passer than I gave him credit for no uh, he is I watched yeah. him because he wasn't at Ohio State Ah. Um, so I actually saw a fair amount of him in college and yeah, I mean, he's a, I was really high on him coming out of the draft actually. Cause I thought he could be hard and light. And right now he kind of is except yeah. for free throw, but right, that's right. huge. Cause that's where Harden gets all this efficiency from. And it's why Russell is not very efficient. He just never gets there. So I'm yeah. a little iffy on his super long-term like star upside, but he's like a very dangerous scorer. Definitely. Uh, and yeah. then, you know, the Indiana game, they were on the back-to-back. They're missing Oladipo. But that team just tries, plays so hard. And they have good players. I mean, Bogdanovich is scary. Thaddeus Young has just had, like, one of the most quietly underrated careers of, like, this decade, I'd say. And Miles Turner is another, like, big man, like, offensive, just monster. Um, so I thought, you know, that was a good win. And the less said about that Cleveland game, the better. Like, I just want to forget like Colin Sexton making threes and Kevin Love hitting step backs. And I don't want to think about it. I don't even want to play them again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're in terms of basketball situations, I think they might be even more depressing than the Knicks. Cause I don't know. Sexton is the only young guy. Like he's better than Knox, but he is it. Like the Knicks at least have a few other fringe young, the Cavs. It's literally just him. Everybody else on that roster is a veteran. They're just bad veterans. It's, it's bad, but I mean, they're going to, they're each going to get really good draft picks this season. You know, whether they actually pick the right players is a different question. I can so imagine one of them taking RJ Barrett at like two <laughs> and just being a disaster for them. Um, but yeah, I don't really have too much else to say about the past week. Uh, do you? I mean, Indiana game was good. The game winner, obviously, against Brooklyn was pretty awesome. Yeah. The Clippers just completely fell apart in that last minute and in a way that I don't feel like I've seen this team fall apart. But that was that was pretty atrocious. Shea was great that game, too. I'm not going to get on a Shea rampage, but he had <laughs> threes, 10 assists that game, I believe. Double first double-double of his career. Um, that, that was a good Shea game. He's just been on a roll. so He looks great. In general, he's been great. Okay, that's it. That's it for Shay. Um, aside from that, don't really have too much. I think Jamichael Green has been quietly Solid. putting in very good performances. Yeah. I, I love him as a fit next to Harrell. It'd be really great if we could somehow sign him for cheap. We'll see. I think they're. I think they're going to try to. I honestly, I think really most good. of this band will be back together. <laughs> yeah. Like of the free agents, the only guy like uh, just Chandler can just depart. But like outside of that. Yeah. Like, I mean, no, they're going to absolutely move heaven and earth to try to bring Beverly back. Yeah. And, like, I think Zubots, Green, Temple are all guys they went back to. Like, I think it might literally just be this team, but with Kawhi Leonard next year. I think that might be the most. That would be awesome. I would love it. It would be yeah. – you'd still have a kind of, like, scrappy underdog vibe, except with, like, one of the top ten players in the NBA as well. Uh, and Is to- it, it – ha- how good can a team be with Danilo Gallinari as their second option? This season's Danilo Gallinari could be pretty good because he's been right? insane. Like, we both complain sometimes about the aesthetics of his game, but the dude has been a beast this year. Like, Absolutely. Zach Lowe mentioned on his recent podcast, I think it was with Ryan Ursillo, that for five seconds, <laughs> he mentioned like he was like, and you know who was a sneaky, like, all NBA 13 candidacy? Danilo Gallinari. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I mean, he's not because Blake Griffin is going to get the last spot. It's, you know, it's PG, Giannis, KD, LeBron, Kawhi, Blake. That's who it's going to be. But, like, after that, I don't know there are many forwards who could put over Gallo. And I think here's a, a ridiculous question that I actually was thinking about earlier today. Would this Clippers team be better with Blake instead of Gallo? No. 
I don't think they would be. I mean, yeah. it's just the fit is just so much better with Gallo and yeah, I'm Gallo has been insane this year. I don't, I don't really know how much more I can praise him. Um, you know, it's hard to go into like rapture with him as it is with like Lou or Shay, just because those guys are so much more fun. Um, you know, a lot of Gallo's game is relying on getting to the free throw line from very like herky jerky moves and playing like very solid, just not flashy at all defense, but he's been a beast, like easily all-star caliber level player, definitely better than Tobias Harris um, when Harris is a clipper, certainly better than him since the trade though. I mean, Tobias had to fit into a very tough situation in Philly, but yeah, I mean, Gallo's been awesome. Um, Philly, Philly just got blown out by Orlando today. Pretty rough. Oh, Simmons didn't play, but oh, okay. Yeah. Brooklyn, by, Brooklyn, by the way, has helped us out the past week. They beat, they eliminated the Lakers. They won a crazy game in Sacramento. They're up right now in Portland in a really tight game. Um, let's hope they can hang on to that to that win. But they also lost to us <laughs> after coming yeah, they're, back. They're doing everything. They're, they're super doing, agent. They're doing everything for us, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we kind of praised Gallo quietly and quickly last week. I also heard that Rosillo low podcast. I wish they would have talked about Gallo a little bit more because I feel like he kind of gets lost in the shuffle and just like this whole, like, they have no bad players, blah, 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 but they're just going to lose in the first round, whatever. Um, they're playing, the Clippers are playing super well, and Gallo has been their best player. Is, has Gallo been better than Lou Williams? How close is it? It's pretty close. I think you have to make the distinction. Gallo's been better. Lou is more important. Like, I think in a vacuum, Gallo's is better because he's more efficient and he's a much better, much better defender. But the Clippers can at least theoretically replace him a little bit. Like, they have zero replacement for Lou Williams. Yeah. If you took just this team and said, like, this team, if healthy, wins 50 games, which apparently they could. They, they might. Jeez. Which is insane. Yeah. I mean, I meant from, like, the start of the season. If you just took this exact roster, it seems like they'd be a 50-win team. If you just removed Gallinari, I think they'd be, like, a 35-win team, maybe. Like, if you put in green and had, like, a healthy Wilson Chandler, like, 35, maybe, maybe a little lower. Without Lou, like, I don't even know. It's like... <laughs> yeah, it'd be bad. It would be it would be rough. Uh, but yeah, those two guys have been insane. Montrez Harrell has been great. I think, you know, like I mentioned earlier, those three guys are the clear top players for this team. And Pat Perfley, just consistent, you know, the guy who always brings effort and energy and, and defense and really an underrated playmaker, too. Um coming in fourth. But yeah, uh, looking ahead to next week, we've already kind of been over this, but tomorrow they play at Minnesota, then Thursday at Milwaukee, then the last back-to-back of the season, at least back home, Saturday and Sunday, Cavs, Memphis. I think 3-1 and one is pretty reasonable, even Buck Shamit. I mean, I think the Bucks game is a fat L. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the Bucks have been slightly rocky lately without Brogdon and Miritich, but I just, I would not bet on them to win that game. Uh, Minnesota is tough just because Towns is on a rampage and he destroys the Clippers. Yeah. When he plays the Clippers, there's no better player in the NBA. You could not convince me. Um, (laughs) But I think the Cavs and Grizzlies game, even though the the Grizzlies game is kind of a trap, second day back-to-back, really feisty team, like those both have to be wins, realistically. So I'm going to say 3-1 and and they get the Minnesota game. What do you think? Uh, it's tough. I'm, I kind of want to say two and two that they w- lose one of these games. That Grizzlies game is is really tough. It's also a third game in four nights, all with travel. Oh, yeah. That's just really just a really tough game. And the Grizzlies are kind of are they've been kind of sneaky. I kind of want to see. So the Grizzlies schedule. I always love to see if they're coming off a back to back. So the Grizzlies are also coming off a back to back. They're playing in Phoenix. And so they have a little bit of travel. It's not third and fourth for them, but it's going to be their third and fifth, I guess, with, with travel and all, all the games. They're playing the Warriors on Wednesday, uh, the Suns in Phoenix on Saturday, and then at Clippers on Sunday. So that helps neutralize things a little bit more. So I'm going to say I'm also going to say three and one. The Minnesota game is concerning because of Towns. I almost feel like it's good for them that Rose is out because he sucks less possessions, like the vacuum that he is. And you just give yeah, it to I, mean, I think 
even though I dump on Rose, I think they've been better this season with him and then without him. And if you take out him and Teague, right. um, you know, they just don't have the ball handlers. But Towns, you know, I, I think I said this before the last one, Towns might go for 50 and 20. Like, it wouldn't even surprise me. Oh, my gosh. It's true. He's been playing really well. Good, good for them for finally deciding to pick him over Jimmy Butler. It's a no-brainer to me. It's always been a no-brainer. Jimmy Butler... I don't want any part of Jimmy Butler. If the Clippers get linked with him, I'll be very, very sad, especially if they strike out with Kawhi and sign Jimmy Butler. It would be very, very depressing. It would, like, ruin my summer. I don't think. I think they would only get him if he was the second Max guy. Mm -hmm. I just – I don't think they'd be dumb enough to put their only superstar egg in his bat. I just – he's not good enough, and he's just – the injuries, the minutes – the temper, like I just, you know, if if like as a prerequisite to getting Kawhi, he's like, if Kawhi's like, I'm coming to the Clippers only if you're able to get another, you know, All Star, All NBA level player, and that Butler's the only other guy that can get, like, then I think you probably have to do it. Yeah, but even then, it's, that's rough committing like four or five years to him. Like, I just. That's rough. But anyway, um, do you have anything else we want to um, touch on before we get to Twitter questions, which I forgot to put out, it looks like. <laughs> oh, shoot. Did you? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I can put some out right now, but... Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You can put some out, and I guess we could just talk for another minute. But, I mean, n- I don't really have too much to say about um, about this these last few games. I think... The most fun game was the Pacers game. That was that was a nice win. Um, the Brooklyn game, the Brooklyn game was fun, just kind of from an entertainment standpoint, and that it was so streaky. That both teams were just so streaky. Yeah, that was so weird. Right. That was such a weird game, and obviously the game winner was sick. The yeah. game winner was awesome. It was nothing but net. It was classic Lou Williams. It's going to be in his highlight, his career highlight reel when he eventually hangs it up. So that that was kind of a cool thing. Um, otherwise, okay, here's the question. Here's the question. Yeah. Go ahead. We'll do it I'm live. thinking of writing this article. Um, no, not from Twitter, just from me. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking of writing an article about why Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams should be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Do you agree? You know, I feel like I feel like Lou has a better argument than Jamal does, and he's a better player, and he's a better player. But I mean, I I wouldn't dis. I mean. I, Obviously, we were both biased, but I wouldn't disagree with Lou at this point, especially if he keeps it up for another couple of seasons. He's been he's been awesome. I think Jamal just soured me a lot his last couple of Clipper seasons. If I really stepped back and appreciated his Hawks years and and all that, I probably would appreciate. And his maybe his first couple of Clipper years, I would probably appreciate him a bit more. But I feel like Lou specifically is just the quintessential six man. And that should be recognized. And you, and all obviously the Hall of Fame is super flawed. There are a lot of players there that don't particularly impress anybody. But um, I mean, I think for yeah. my thing, it's, it's not even really about the level of play. I just think like when you're thinking about a basketball Hall of Fame, you have to think about like who are the guys who when you think about like, you know, the NBA or basketball for a certain period, who do you think of? And I'm just not sure if you can write this history of the NBA without like at least having footnote mentions of Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford. I'm mean, Jamal Crawford's one of the most legendary teammates, like nice people, That's true. you know, has one of the best handles of all time was That's a leader true. in four point play though. I think Harden is going to pass or will pass him or whatever. Um, you know, he's just kind of a legend just for being, you know, also like the patron saint of Seattle basketball. Um, you know, I'm going to write all about this in the article and stuff, but like, I think there are a bunch of legitimate reasons why, like in a basketball hall of fame, you need Jamal Crawford. And for Lou Williams, it's as simple as the fact that he's just like the coolest player in the NBA yeah. <laughs> and everybody in the NBA, like respects the shit out of him. Yeah. Um, and like, especially like, if you look at this era, like you, you think about this era of like social media and Twitter highlights and Instagram, like there are not many players who are bigger and like have more clout, I guess, to use a young That's person than Lou Williams. Like when you look at Lou Williams' Instagram, I think I've said this before, it's insane what type of people pop up there. Like I forget, I was looking at some picture the other day and like 2 Chains was commenting on it 
and like some older rapper from like the 90s, I can't remember, <laughs> was like shouting him out. And I was just like, what, who are these people and how do they know Lou Williams? Mm. Um, well, 2 chains because of the Atlanta thing. But like, right. you know, it's just, it's, I just think for those types of people and players, you just have to put them in um, to like a true basketball hall of fame. They won't now because just of the way it's set up in terms of it being the best players of all time. Um, but I would be, I would be pretty happy if one or both of them made it. Um, yeah, I'd be pretty happy too. We have one question at this point. I think most people are either asleep or watching this other game or, you know, whatever. So okay. we might literally just take this one question uh, sorry, I forgot everybody. <laughs> uh, just it's been a long day. I went to the dentist. I just for the first time in a while, and like I had, I have to pay for this stuff now, and it's oh no, I gotta go too pretty soon. It's been a long time. Yeah, I need like my teeth, or like I stopped wearing my retainer like three weeks after I had braces when I was a kid, and now they're completely shifting. Oh no! Like Invisalign to realign them, and then- I need to. Yeah, I need to do something. I have like bruxism, I think, where I'm like grinding my teeth at night. Oh and yeah, I- they're definitely gonna have you do that. So anyway, my, uh, it was it was like thirty five hundred dollars. Oh my gosh! So yeah, that was that was not fun for me. I was like, should I do this? And they're like, yeah, you you probably need this. I'm like, oh. um, so anyway, uh, we're gonna <laughs> take the one question, which is a pretty good double parter actually. So it's from a buddy of mine, uh, Ben Pfeiffer, on Twitter. Uh, who's part of uh, draft Twitter, the nebulous NBA draft Twitter. So his question is, what's the next step Shane needs to take to become a piece that elevates this team in the playoffs? And what are your thoughts on slash what do you know about Jerome Robinson's development so far? So, <laughs> two questions I think we would spend a lot of time on. I think with Shay, this for this playoffs, it's just confidence. Like, I don't think any skill-related thing, like, he's not all of a sudden going to become, like, an amazing off-the-dribble three-point shooter or yeah. work on his handles to the point where he's, like, smoking people, you know, in isolation. For him, it's just, can he keep his level of confidence even when he makes a bad foul or has a bad pass or misses a couple shots? Is he still able to be aggressive, keep his head up, play aggressive defense without fouling? The past month, he's been exceptional at this. He's never lacked confidence um, or seemed to anyway and just been consistently aggressive. And it's been just a joy to watch him, you know, mentally make that next step. So I think that's really all he needs. If he just keeps playing like this, shots falling or not, he's going to be a good positive player for this team in the playoffs against any team. Yeah. answer that and then we'll get to the next one. Yeah, I mean – I think Shea's confidence at the rim has like jumped exponentially um, and his ability to get to the rim and his confidence in getting to the rim. That's the biggest thing because that's really his advantage over Shamit, you know, like I kind of understood Doc playing Shamit to end some of these games when Shea wasn't driving and wasn't mm-hmm. being confident to the rim because Shamit is just facing. And if you have a Lou Montrez pick and roll and Shea isn't going to be aggressive and be a playmaker off that, you know, off the pick and rolls as a playmaking option, then really why are you, why is he in there instead of Shamit? I mean, obviously for defense one, but on offense, like what would be the big advantage? But now that Shea is getting, even getting passes from Lou and driving to the rim or doing something where he gets to his mid range, because his mid range is a great bailout shot. He can get to it almost whenever he wants, like you said, over most defenders. And if he has confidence going to it, and if confidence driving to the rim, then he, has, he just makes a ton of things happen. So that's my biggest thing. He's yeah. not an explosive first, first step guy, but he's, he's kind of he's like, sneaky. He's sneaky, you know? He's so I, I used to kind of compare him to, not like he, the, entirely, but Brandon Roy had that same kind of sneakiness mm-hmm. off the dribble. And Shea's kind of reminded me of him a lot in that way. Um, so Shea, Shea can get past guys, and he's really good with body control. He sometimes gets blocked at the rim because, you know, he's still you know, a guard and, and he he can't like dunk on guys like with, with ferocity or anything, but you know, that one layup he had, remember that layup he had when he was in transition and put it under his left hand, like under, it was insane. That's one of like, that was some crazy shots around the rim. I think it was against the Pacers. It was absurd. Yeah. 
this, he's just like very, very creative around the rim. He's great finishing with both hands, which is kind of an underrated thing for a rookie. He's super yeah. confident going both ways. I remember early in the season, he had a scoop shot with his right, and then he tried a scoop shot with his left. I think it was, maybe it was against the Lakers. But I remember thinking it was so cocky at the time <laughs> that, that, that he would even try to do that. He missed the left-hander pretty badly, I think. But yeah, I remember that, yeah, off the but glass. To, yeah. But to have that confidence to do that is kind of a big deal. And he lost a little bit of along the way, but now he's back and he's shooting threes really well. You can't expect him to be like a pop shooter anytime soon. But the fact that he's taking them with confidence and really finding his spots, like he's doing everything I want him to do at this point. Yeah. And then uh, you can answer the next question, which is what are your thoughts on, Sash, what do you know about Jerome Robinson's involvement so far? You can go on that first and I'll take it. I mean, my, my thoughts on Jerome Robinson stay the same. I've seen his highlights in the G League more than anything. Yeah. He seems like he just seems like he needs the ball in his hands, and he and he's kind of a playmaker and to an extent, and not like a Lou Williams level playmaker, but somebody closer to that than to Shamit. And he just he'll eventually be that kind of scorer, I think, if he's optimized properly in the NBA, like a six man probably type of scorer, maybe even a starter in the right position. But that's kind of where he is, and he just doesn't. He unfortunately he doesn't fit right now with the team. Uh, as far as heavy minutes, but that doesn't mean sometime in the future he can't. I remember Zach Lowe said once when we initially got Shamit that that the Clippers envisioned the idea of Shea running the point and uh, floppy action running between Shamit and Jerome Robinson running off mm-hmm. the ball. I don't think Jerome Robinson is that kind of player, really. So I think he can, and I think he can move. But it's not like he's like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson or something, where Clay yeah. Clay is like our Shamit, not not that Curry, not that Robinson is our Curry, but like Curry can create with the ball and he can run off the ball too. There's not many people ever that can do that. Like Steph Curry is so good, he can make a he can run a play and then leave the ball and then run immediately like Shamit almost to a corner and shoot. Like most people are just one or the other. They either can create with the ball or they can shoot. And and Shamit is a shooter, and I think Jerome is more of a playmaker. So that's yeah. just the that's just the way I see him. And he just and the good thing I I think last last time that um, Jerome got some major run, it was in a blowout game. Maybe maybe it was the next game. I can't remember for complete certain. But there was a blowout game where the Clippers started running him like a playmaker. They gave him – they put the ball in his hands and he ran some plays. And that's probably where he's going to eventually thrive if he does. So that's the kind of role I see for him. And right now we have Lou Williams, man. Like what – Yeah, I I haven't seen enough of his G League tape to really know what direction they're putting him in in terms of development-wise. I think you're right in that – they don't view him as a similar player to Shamit, really, and they're probably going to work more on his creation off the dribble um, and playmaking and stuff like that. My general thoughts on Jerome is that I did not like the pick. Um, you know, I made that pretty clear on the draft day, probably our post-draft react pod. You know, I think he will eventually be an NBA rotation player, but I thought they reached very high for him, and I don't really see any reason to change my opinion on that take um you know Shay and Shamit have gotten major minutes all year if Jerome Robinson had really been worthy of those minutes he would have gotten at least some of them I mean clearly Doc Rivers does not want to play Ty Wallace a lot if Jerome Robinson was ready for minutes he would have gotten some of those you know Ty Wallace minutes or even the times Sidarius Thornwell got rotation minutes a few times earlier this season you know I think it's pretty clear the Clippers don't think he's ready for NBA rotation play, which, you know, is not unusual for a rookie, but it's not great considering that he was a junior and kind of, I don't know if he was billed as like an NBA ready prospect, but like things about him were projected to be NBA ready. And I'm just not sure that they are like his scoring from the very little I've seen in the NBA does not look like he can really create against NBA level defenses. I mean, it's fine. He's a rookie, but I don't know how long he's going to be given to really prove himself. You know, it depends on obviously what happens with the Clippers over the summer and how Shea and Shamit pan out. But 
I think there are already reasons to be a little skeptical about how long he'll be with the Clippers. I mean, I don't think mm. they've soured on him. I don't think he's going like, to get shipped out for peanuts or anything. But, like, I think Shea and Shamit have very clearly established themselves as franchise – not franchise players, obviously, but as, like, important pieces to this franchise's future – which is different from a franchise player. Like to me, Carl Anthony Towns is like, you build your franchise around him. Like, I don't think Shea or Sham is at that level. They're clearly not, but they're both like very good players already as rookies. Um, And Jerome Robinson very clearly is not. And like, you know, again, I don't think they've already given up on him or anything, but like, he's definitely not established anything about how important he is to this franchise. So I, mean, I like him. I like his work ethic. I think he seems like a very good, I was going to say kid. I'm really only like a couple years older than he is. Um, and like, I think he will eventually be like a solid NBA scorer, but I am not, this has not been a super promising year for him. Like uh, no, the G league, but he wasn't like insanely dominant. Like, you know, I'm going to score 30 a game. Like they didn't even make the playoffs. Right. Um, which, you know, they, they had two games to win it and they couldn't I don't I don't even know what his box scores were in that game. Yeah. I, probably I think I think they were up by like a ton in that second to last game yeah. too. So yeah. I, again, like I'm not out on him. Like I don't I'm not like one of these people who's like, you know, trade him, like, you know, he was a horrible pick, but like I wasn't a huge fan at the time and there's been no evidence for me to change that opinion. Yeah. I, I mean, how many rookies get this little development their rookie year and then end up like a starter, you know? Not many, probably. I mean, I need to look at it, but like not even that many rookies in the lottery get this little development, period. Like the Clippers right. are kind of unique in that they're both pretty good and also have other rookies ahead of him. But like, it's bad. He's by far the lowest amount of minutes of any player taken in the lottery outside of Porter, who's obviously sat out this entire season. And there are tons of guys behind him who've gotten way more minutes than him, too. Like Akogi, um, I think DiVincenzo's played like probably two or three times as many minutes. Troy Brown, who didn't get a lot for the Wizards, has gotten a lot more minutes recently and has played decently well. He's passed him. Herder looks amazing for the Herder looks good. Yeah. That would have been that would have been a nice pick. Gosh. Uh, Yeah, you know. I just I think they reached on Jerome and you know I thought he was a late first round level guy and I still basically think that so yeah Landry yeah. Shamik went before after him too way after, <laughs> way uh, after. It's already like a mistake like I think you're right in that Jerome probably has more skills but Shamit's one ability is like a superpower <laughs> right, right. um and he, he's already shown flashes of being able to hit, like, little floaters when run off the three-point line. And he's not a bad passer. Like, he's played point guard before. can make some plays for other people. Like, he's just good. But anyway, we do have two more questions now. We'll try to go through these because it's been a pretty long pod. But one is from uh, a fan. Not fan. I guess just a guy who asks a lot of questions. <laughs> the Blazers and the Nets are going to another overtime. Sorry. Uh, ah, gosh. It's annoying. Yeah, um, it's Come on. Matt Chonger at M Chong. Uh, Matt Chong at M Chonger. Um, we've already basically covered this, but just direct. Would you be in favor of phasing Wilson Chandler out of the lineup? Come yes. Time? <laughs> yes. Um, I prefer that they just stagger line- lineups and run with nine guys or play Ty slash Jerome there. I think nine players is probably the best. Again, we just covered Jerome. He's not getting minutes in the playoffs mm-hmm. unless it's right. a blowout. Um, my dad asks, what's the lineup going to look like with Jamit out? I'm guessing Temple will start. Ty will fill in off the bench. That'd be nice. Yeah. And then finally, just came in Owen at Udat Neal, over slash under. Doc will play a 9.5 man rotation in the playoffs. I'm going to say under. I think he does shorten it to nine in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I really hope he does because Chandler has looked like trash. Like he's looked quite bad. Maybe he'll pick it up and maybe there's going to be some Doc, Doc leniency because of what he's seen from Wilson Chandler. It's a very possible thing. I, um, yeah. It's very – that's a really the most concerning thing right now. But the good thing is, I think it was in this last this, uh, this last Knicks game – actually, no, it was against the Cavs. Uh, Chandler made two bad plays. Like, he, he missed a three. And, he and, they, and then he got benched immediately. And I was like, thank you, Doc. So, I'm hoping yeah. that Doc just sees the performance out there. And if Chandler just keeps, like, not fitting – 
let's just hope that he just pulls him because I think I think he will. I think he pretty clearly doesn't really trust Ty. So I don't think Ty will really get significant playoff minutes either. But yeah, I think I'd go for the under. I think that guy, that last spot just gets taken out of the rotation. Yeah. Because Shea has clearly won his full-time trust at this which is Which is awesome. It's really yeah. good that he's, we're closing with Shea pretty consistently. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's it for questions. And I think we've, we've talked a fair amount about the Clippers this year. This, this year. <laughs> Yeah, this pod. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think <laughs> I think that'll do it for this episode. It's late out here too. Neither of us are in LA, right? Ra, Ra, I don't think you're. Are I'm you still on the West Coast. It's like are you still West Coast? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You're washed like Wilson Chandler right now. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, that that'll do it for this episode of the Law of the Gen, the podcast. As always, rate us on whatever you listen to us to iTunes or whatever the rest of them are. They're all good. And as always, go Clippers!